It wasn't because of an event. It wasn't because of an experience. It's because of Jesus. They experienced something that they've never experienced before. So I want you to see some, some, some tangible truths about biblical healing produces missional living in these four uh, truths. Number one, missional living is intentional. Like, you can't just sit on your own at the house and say, I hope somebody comes to me so I can talk to them about God today. No, no, you, you got to be like the brothers and go out in the city and fetch them and bring them to Jesus. This is how you can tell when a church is comfortable. You can tell a church is comfortable when you stop having first-time visitors on Sunday mornings. Ohana Church, you're comfortable. Every one of us is guilty in this room. You're comfortable. All right, you're doing the opposite of our text today. If if we've truly, genuinely been healed by God internally, whether even physical means, that it is our, look at that, it is our pleasure to bring people to Jesus. Number two, missional living is public. Can I get a witness, right? All right, God didn't save you to sideline you. God saved you to use you. To use you, all right? Number three, missional living brings others to Christ. Every one of us in this room came to faith in Christ because somebody knew Christ. Just like John, James, Peter, Andrew, right? And lastly, missional living brings healing. If we're truly on mission, right? And listen to me. People will be healed. Spiritually, physically, emotionally, mentally, they will be healed. How, so how does far people from Christ come to know Christ? By you. By the near people. Romans 10 says, how will they hear if there's no preacher? That preacher is a near individual to Christ. They know Christ. How are we going to reach the, the, those areas? Like even like Homestead. A, a lot of people stay away from Homestead because of the character or the stories people know about what happens in Paneva and Keoka or even in, down in Pune, areas of Pune and all that. How, how will they hear if there's no preacher? So here, here's the tension of the doctrine of healing. Healing has become a worldwide debate among all Christians, the different denominations. In many years growing up in a charismatic church, myself, it was normal to have healing services and different outpourings of its manifestation, like people falling on their backs, unknown tongues being practiced, people barking like dogs, people laughing in the spirit. And I genuinely saw, listen to me, I genuinely saw people healed from their diseases and demon possession. I've literally seen that. I literally seen a seven-foot man, holy man from Virginia, coming to our door, demon-possessed, cussing out my father while he's preaching. My father stops, stops service. My father rebukes him in the name of Jesus. And I literally saw this phenomenon where the man was shaking and the devil came out of him. Now, I didn't see the actual devil, but you could tell by his demeanor, his action, it changed. You could hear him saying things like how we learned last week of the demon talking back to my father. You know, I know you're preaching God, but he's no God to me. Like you could hear it, all of this going on. You could see even like so a lot of my dad's people were like you. They, they didn't come from church backgrounds per se. A lot of them were, were local brothers, like the ushers. Like, like you can see, the people who are young in their faith, the first place we're going to put them in the usher ministry, right? That's all, FYI, if you're an usher this morning, sorry, okay? It is what it is, all right? That's the first gateway because, right, you guys 
guys nuts? Are you guys crazy? Like, like we put you there because if somebody comes with one gun and one sword, we know you can be Peter up there, okay? We get that, all right? We understand that. But like even these, I mean, one of them was my uncle. My uncle was six foot, but this guy's seven foot. And this bugger, my uncle, like, don't understand the theological ramifications of what's going on. He don't even know Jesus yet. We just got him at the usher because he, like, be there on Sunday morning because he married my sister. He ended up marrying my, my oldest sister, and he got to come church. Can he get a witness, man, right? He got to come. Mama there, I got to go come make mama happy. So it is what it is. And so this bugger dropped F-bombs in the church at this demon-possessed brother and about to grab his machete from the back row of the pew, and we're like, uncle, why is the machete in the hall? I mean, like, like, bug almost choking up. I mean, that's the ramification. This is the debate and the challenge. But he, he don't know Jesus, my uncle, yet. He knows Jesus today, praise the Lord. And he doesn't know what's going on. And here's the beautiful picture of God's grace when we confront demon possession as Jesus did, right? We see this beautiful picture of God healing this man physically and this woman in the city of Capernaum uh, from their afflictions. At the same time, I've seen this same very healing experience become fanaticism. The first part, with the lie of theology. With the word faith. Someone said that my mom was not saved and wasn't healed because she lacked faith. Let me make sure we're on the same page. If my mom lacked faith, then Jesus didn't 100% die for me. Myself had something to do in salvation, in works. We believe at Ohana Church that is a lie from the pit of hell. God 100% does the work of salvation. Faith is the word pistis in the Greek. It's a feminine word used in Greek. Meaning it's received. It's the picture of a gift given to us. We preach that faith. That, 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 that by grace, Ephesians 2, you've been saved, help me out, through faith. We, we preach for many generations that grace is the gift. But we've got to remember that grace and faith is together. It's both a gift. So when we say have faith, we're reminded you of God's grace. Faith is what produces, right, God's grace in our lives. But it's not a produce out of our own works. It's, a, it's an activity based on the Holy Spirit of God. God's Spirit has imputated grace and faith in us to trust in Him, to believe in Him. You say, what kind of God is that to make us a robotic people group, a God that loves you? Like, in and of itself, you would never choose God. You would never choose God. Because sinful people are dead. Dead people don't pay bills. Dead people don't drive cars. Dead people don't do nothing. Dead people are dead. And so God regenerates the sinner. And the sinner is given grace and faith to receive Jesus, this is, listen to me, healing is all an understanding of salvation in Christ alone. We are here because of Christ. I want you to see the text. I love Brother Mark because he's really straight to the point. 
Baramak is one of those brothers that he talked like straightforward, black and white. There's no in-between, okay? There's no libertarian theology here. He doesn't even use the word faith or grace in here. He just uses the one word that matters. You guys ready? And Jesus healed them. It didn't say they had faith, so Jesus healed them. Now, there's other texts that say stuff like that, but understanding the allegorical text of the gospel, we see that Jesus alone heals, Jesus alone saves, Jesus alone chooses those to be rescued like my mother and my father-in-law. Nevertheless, it still ends up good for those who belong to Jesus. Why? Because the earth is our temporary space and heaven is our home. That's balance right there. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So, so if I would ever get cancer, if I, and I would die from cancer, even if I did all the treatments, right, whatever the case, I probably wouldn't take the treatments because of my HMSA is junk, all right, and all that. I would rather you guys come to my house and give me radiation through prayer, all right? Whatever the case is, well, I'm just being honest, all right? Paying an arm and a leg for medical, and I still got to pay big copay. It is what it is. God is sovereign, amen, and all that. If I should pass away because of cancer, hallelujah! Why? I get Jesus. I should die from any other thing, a traffic accident, murder, Whatever the case is, listen to me, your healing is not found, listen to me, in your experience. Your healing is found in Christ alone before your experience. We trust in God when things don't make sense. That's faith. We embrace the gospel. We sign a contract with no explanation of what my life is going to look like. That's faith, right? That's faith. We, that, that's the reality. Even when we get married... When we get married, that's faith. How do we know that? We just trust in God. But the reality is, when we trust God, we are healed, not by anything we bring to the table, because Jesus heals, period. Mark makes an explanation of this healing faith. He, said Mark, he says this in verse 24, Jesus simply healed them. The emphasis is not on the experience. The emphasis is not on the event or even those who were healed. Mark puts the emphasis on the healer, Jesus. You guys heard me? But then you will hear these testimonies, great testimonies that is, 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 is vibrant, is honest, it's good. It's, it's, and you have, not, out of the 20 minutes, you have 19 minutes talking about the individual and not Jesus. My healing doesn't promote me. My healing promotes my God. The gospel of Jesus. Healing is not primarily about me, right? Healing is always about the healer. Isaiah exp explains it this way, 700 years before Jesus comes on the earth. He says this, but he, who is he? Jesus, right? Jesus was pierced because of our what? Rebellion. He was crushed because of our iniquities, our sin, our pilakia, our heva. He, he was, his punishment for our peace was on what? Him. Here, here we go. And because of that, we, were, we are healed by his what? Wounds. I want you to see that the author Isaiah is writing in present tense. He's not just writing in maybe tense, future tense. He's writing in present tense, you're healed. If you know Jesus, you're healed. 
And that may outcome to some physical healing, some emotional healing, some, some mental healing. A lot of us need mental healing. Got to get on with this, right? Plenty of us, because we check out, bro. I mean, when that white hat, hat brought on the sideline, when screw us over for that touchdown on Friday night, let me tell you, I need mental healing, because I like to do something to that brother. Like, in my mind, I stay murdering him. Oh, I'm the only one that real air in this house. In my pool vibe, in my now, bro, when that bugger was throwing that yellow flag, on one block on number 41, I, Kunai Hawaiian, we're number one 41 on our team. <laughs> and this is how God works, this is how God tests me. Was on holiday when throwing flag. You guys know my story and all that. I'm like, oh God, you're really testing me, yeah? I mean, like, 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 bro, like, that was the game. We could have won. And in the moment of that man, literally, I literally sensed God to say, hey, man, shut your mouth. Which brings me to my last point. When Jesus is at work, I want you to see this. When Jesus is at work, no one can stop him from working. We sang the song today. Even when I don't feel you, you're working. Even when I don't see you, you're working. You'll never stop. You never stop working, right? It's, it's the reality, right? Look at the text. It ends in verse 24. It says this. When Jesus freed people from their demon possession, he said he kept them silent. He did not allow them to talk. The text says further on, because they knew him. What does that mean? Well, we got, again, that's why we expository preachers over here. Read up in the verse. It says that when Jesus last week dismissed the demon-possessed man, it said the demon-possessed man said, the demon himself through him said, I know who you are. You are the holy one. You know what the holy means? You know what holy means? Set apart. Set apart from what? Sin. Meaning he's pornal. He's perfect. He's right. He's truth. He's correct. He's E-O, right? The truth. He is God. Jesus is the Holy One. Can no one, even Zeke, in a simple football game, like, it doesn't have nothing to do with eternity, Hawaiian, right? But it's the reality. You invest so much of your time in people. And when you feel jaded, you want to be the wrath of God on everybody. Am I the only one in this room, right? Our football team was jaded. Our JV, I'm saying. All right, varsity, we lick everybody. It is what it is, right? Our football team was jaded, right? And then God, in his sovereign grace, thank you, God, for your sovereign grace, reveals to me and says, so was I, Zeke. I was jaded. The band's going to come up. I was jaded by the enemy. The world I created, going back, is no longer the world that I know today. Perspective different now, yeah? My jadedness, because of the gospel, caused me to think through my thoughts even if it sounds funny of murdering that guy in my head, right? I mean, you guys get that kind of thoughts too? Like, like I was like, 
I was just trying to think through the whole process of, okay, when this game is done, get the varsity game next. And then when the varsity game is pow, everybody know where the referees go. They go by home plate in that dugout back there. And my mind was like, that's why I won't go when the game pow. Like, tell me, like I, I, won't, I won't correct this jadedness. And I, I pitched that out to our, our staff this week. I said, I know why I'm going through my depression in this season. It's because I see lack of results. And I want to be what I can't be. I can't be the judgmental God. I want to be the one to drop the hammer on those who deserve death. And that's my heart. And you may act all righteous and holy here. I can name everyone in this room who put righteous judgment posts on Instagram and Facebook and point the finger to. But the gospel is not to be divisive. The gospel is to love people through Jesus. Can we all have the same commonality today? You ready? We all fall short of God's glory. Amen. We need Jesus together. God rescued us to, to be healed, not just individually, but together. And he's the Holy One. Look at what Stephen Lawson says, one of my favorite preachers. He says, the title, the Holy One of God, means that Jesus is infinitely and absolutely holy, fully and perfectly divine. He's the transcendent and majestic. He came down from above to save who? Sinners. Who are sinners in this room? Amen. Yet he is set apart from sinners in that he is completely sinless without any moral blemish, perfect in all of his ways. His being is, a, is holy. His character is holy. His mind is holy. His motives are holy. His words are holy. His actions are holy. His ways are holy. His judgments are holy. From the top of his head to the bottom of his feet, every inch, every ounce, the totality, the sum, and the substance of the second person of the Godhead is equally holy with God the Father. What does this mean for our text today? Jesus heals. Jesus heals. So, so how should we respond? How should we respond to this message today? Simple. Come to Christ. Don't play church today. Come to Jesus for healing today. In fact, we won't go old school over here. This is not a Baptist thing. This is not even a Pentecostal thing that I grew up in. This is a Bible thing. This is a gospel thing. If you are physically sick, I want you to see what the scripture says in James. Now, this is the same James, right, that we see in scripture. James says this. Is anyone among you sick? Watch the action steps. Let him call for the elders of the what? Church. You know who the elders of the church is? The leaders. And let them pray over him or her. The Bible is always written in masculine form because of the culture, all right? It represents God, God, a man. Anointing him with what? Oil in the name of the Lord. Let me tell you something this morning. I bought you some oil. And I'm not playing around. If you're sick, mentally, physically, emotionally, 
even if it's just a cough. Jesus got you today. You say, well, what, what, what is this? Well, it's cooking oil, guys. That's <laughs> what it is. But it's the, it's the symbolic nature of it. In the Bible, when people were anointed with oil, it represented the Holy Spirit of God. Some of you in this room, I've, I've met at parks, at your house, at my house, and I've anointed you with oil. And some of you have been, you've been literally physically healed from it. Now, I'm not trying to cause a fanaticism movement this morning. I just want your heart to be right with God. And we do that as we express it. So he says, it says in verse 15, and the prayer of faith will save the one who is what? Sick. Right? Faith is the gift God's given us. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be what? Forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. So it's not, in, it's not just you get anointed with oil, but it's you confessing your sin. Because your sometimes our diseases... Our conflict is in direct connection with our sin nature. Whether it's pride, arrogance, lying, stealing, cheating, and just being, being good, thinking you're good, right, right? Being the perfect person. Come to Jesus. Lastly, the prayer of a righteous person has great power. And it is working. Why? Jesus. Heels.